Hello, everyone, and welcome to the September 6th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal clarified the standard for proving causation of valley fever. Here's what happened in the published opinion of Rudy Miranda versus Bamel Construction Company. Miranda worked as a locksmith at a university campus in Fullerton. His office was located next to a vacant lot that was used for stockpiling excess dirt from a construction project. Miranda con contracted the infectious fungal disease known as coccididiomycosis, commonly called valley fever. He sued general contractor Bamel Construction Company and subcontractor JK Excavation and Grading, claiming they negligently graded dirt on the construction site. He also filed a workers' compensation case against the university. The defendants in the civil case filed a motion for summary judgment. Many experts on valley fever provided sworn declarations in the case on how these fungus particles become airborne. Some of the particles have been known to travel as much as 500 kilometers from the point of origin. The trial court ruled that none of the expert declarations were credible evidence showing that the valley fever was caused by the construction next door. The Court of Appeal in a published opinion agreed. The court reasoned that Miranda could not prove where the valley fever came from. He must prove his case with medical testimony that shows it was probable, not just possible, that the fungus came from the construction site next door. The court reasoned that there can be many possible causes, indeed an infinite number of circumstances which can produce an injury or disease. A possible cause only becomes probable when, in the absence of other reasonable causal explanations, it becomes more likely than not that the injury was a result of the dirt stockpile. A number of medical experts provided declarations claiming the construction site was the cause. Norman Brotbauer, MD, his workers' compensation treating physician said that exposure to dust from the soil next door was the critical factor in determining the risk for infection of valley fever. The Superior Court rejected these expert opinions as speculative and the Court of Appeal agreed. While medical and scientific data certainly supported their claim that exposure to dust was a critical factor, Neither expert accounted for the undisputed facts showing there were other reasonable and likely sources of the fungus spore causing Miranda's injury. Neither expert offered an opinion on whether there was a way to medically or scientifically determine the origins of the infecting fungal spore. Nor did they dispute the fungus grows all over California. Once the spores become airborne, they are not visible to the naked eye. Spores sometimes can be in dust-free air. The fact that Miranda was infected standing by itself does not create a reasonable inference that the dust from the lot next door as opposed to another location was the source of the disease. Since the same medical evidence would support causation before the WCAB, this case shows the stark contrast in how these two judicial tribunals view the same evidence. The Los Angeles District 
Office of the Division of Workers' Compensation has made a motion to consolidate lien proceedings regarding compound pharmacy liens. The hearing is scheduled for 10, 10 o'clock a.m. on Wednesday, October 6th in the court's first floor auditorium at 320 West 4th Street in Los Angeles. All compound pharmacy lien claimants with pending liens should attend along with their representatives and defendants. However, injured workers and lien claimants without compound pharmacy liens should not attend. Parties do not need to bring their files. The court took this action because there are common issues of law and fact in the approximately 400 compound pharmacy liens filed each month at the Los Angeles District Office. Processing liens is time-consuming and the Los Angeles court can only accommodate 145 lien hearings per month. In the event that the cases merit consolidation, there can be a system-wide savings by reducing repetitive litigation. Los Angeles presiding judge Georgia Frank will preside over the October 6 proceedings along with Mark Kahn, the associate chief judge for the Southern Region. Judge Kahn has jurisdiction over other courts in case the issues go beyond just those cases scheduled in Los Angeles. And in regulatory and political news, the California legislature passed several year-end workers' compensation measures last week, sending them to the governor for signature. AB 1696 would extend death benefits until the youngest child reaches 19 if the parent died while serving in certain law enforcement or firefighting services. AB 933 would require a utilization review physician to be licensed in California. AB 2253 presumes that cancer is a compensable injury among active firefighting members and certain peace officers even after employment is terminated. This presumption is extended from five years under current law to as much as 10 years under this bill. SB 145, a so-called anti-discrimination bill passed the legislature that would reduce opportunities for apportionment based upon factors such as race, national origin, age, gender, or genetic characteristics. This bill was ostensibly politically crafted as an anti-discrimination bill, but at a deeper level, it is squarely aimed at apportionment based upon genetic risk factors or to the aging process. These bills are awaiting the governor's signature, and it is likely that he will veto some, if not all, of them. The Association of California Insurance Companies is not happy with the legislative year. According to their spokesman, little was done to address challenges in the system. They were disappointed with the failure of AB 2779, which would have closed a loophole in the pharmacy fee schedule for the use of compound drugs. ACIC will be asking the governor to veto some of these bills. The California Society of Industrial Medicine and Surgery and the California Applicants Attorneys Association have scheduled a cocktail reception for Attorney General Jerry Brown on Sunday, September 19. This event costs $1,000 per couple. The event will be held at the home of Arnold Gilberg, MD in Beverly Hills. Dr. Gilberg is often used by litigants as an AME in psychiatry. The announcement for this event indicates that Brown may accept contributions up to 
$51,800 from individuals, businesses, corporations, unions, PACs, or other legal entities. Contributions to Brown for Governor 2010 are not tax-deductible. However, this fundraiser may be too late. The new Survey USA poll of the California gubernatorial race gives Republican Meg Whitman an expanding lead over Democrat Jerry Brown. The numbers are Whitman 47%, Brown 40%. In the previous survey, USA poll from three weeks ago, Whitman was only ahead by a narrow 44 to 43% margin. According to Rasmussen polls, Meg Whitman is coming off last weekend's state GOP convention, moving out to her best showing yet. The latest Rasmussen poll finds Whitman earning 48% support, while Brown picks up only 40%. The Brown fundraiser, organized by CSIMS and CAW, leave little doubt that the injured worker advocates see a win by Brown as a key goal for their side. On the other hand, the direction of the current polls leaves deteriorating hope that they will succeed in helping Brown take the governor's seat next year. According to the CWCI, the Food and Drug Administration has become increasingly concerned about potential health and safety issues associated with compound drugs. Compound drugs, copacs, and medical foods have been promoted to workers' compensation physicians and injured workers as an alternative to FDA-approved pain management pharmaceuticals. Anecdotal reports suggest that these therapies are often used as a means to supplement physician revenue. CWCI examined data on more than 3 million prescriptions. The results show that the percentage of California workers' compensation prescription codes linked to compound drugs, copacs, and medical foods nearly quadrupled from 1.2% in the first quarter of 2006 to 4.7% in the first quarter of 2009. The biggest surge coincided with the regulatory elimination of differential pricing for repackaged drugs in March 2007. This trend is likely to continue until state policymakers enact specific statutory controls and administrative oversight. And now our fraud report. California Department of Insurance detectives arrested Isaac Lindsay and his wife Veronica. They are charged with felony forgery after allegedly presenting fake workers' compensation insurance documents. Isaac Lindsay, owner of Lindsay Motorcade and Protective Services bid and was awarded a contract to provide security services to the Moreno Valley Unified School District. Among the documents required by this contract was proof of workers' compensation insurance. An employee of Lindsay Motorcade and Protective Service, Services was murdered while patrolling one of the school district campuses. It was soon discovered that Lindsay did not have workers' compensation coverage, and the documentation he submitted to secure the contract with the school district was faked. The school district was responsible for paying more than $100,000 in relation to the murder of Lindsay's employee. The Lindsay's were booked at the Central Detention Center in San Bernardino County with bail set at $25,000 each.
If convicted, the Lindsays could face a prison sentence of up to 18 years. The case is being prosecuted by the San Bernardino County District Attorney's Office. A Sacramento physician pled not guilty to rape charges. Scott Dodd Anderson, MD, was arrested in April and booked into the Sacramento County Jail on suspicion of felony sexual exploitation by a physician, rape, and attempted sodomy. At least some of the examinations were related to workers' compensation claims and took place between May and September of 2009. He pled not guilty to these charges last Thursday. Anderson's medical license has been temporarily suspended pursuant to Penal Code Section 23 and he no longer works at the clinic. In all, Anderson faces 30 counts of abuse. Sacramento County Sheriff's detectives began investigating Anderson in December after one of his three victims told her family of the alleged abuse. Detectives identified two more alleged victims during the course of their investigation. The women suffered the alleged abuse while visiting Anderson at the U.S. Health Works Clinic on Folsom Boulevard near La Riviera Drive. Detectives suspect there are more victims who have not yet come forward. U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder and HHS Secretary Kathleen Sebelius kicked off the second in a series of day-long summits in Los Angeles last week. They joined industry experts who discussed innovative ways to eliminate fraud within the U.S. healthcare system. Announced during the summit was a final regulation issued by CMS increasing protections from potentially fraudulent suppliers of durable medical equipment prosthetics and orthotics, also known as DME-POS. The new regulation enhances Medicare enrollment standards for DME-POS suppliers by adding several new standards and strengthening existing standards that suppliers must meet before being able to furnish equipment and supplies to Medicare beneficiaries. The Affordable Care Act builds on innovative strategies to fight fraud such as the Healthcare Fraud Prevention and Enforcement Action Team, HEAT. There's now a joint operation between the Department of Justice in partnership with the 94 U.S. Attorney's Offices, CMS, and the HHS Office of Inspector General that has expanded Medicare fraud strike force teams from South Florida and Los Angeles to now operating in seven regions. Targeted cities include Houston, Detroit, Brooklyn, Baton Rouge, and Tampa. On June 8, 2010, President Obama announced this nationwide series of regional fraud prevention summits as part of a multifaceted effort to crack down on health care fraud. The Los Angeles summit was the second in the series, with additional summits to follow in the coming months in Detroit, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, and Las Vegas. And in financial news, U.S. Risk Insurance Group has taken over a Florida-located Unisource Program Administrators, a wholesaler of workers' compensation for an undisclosed sum. U.S. Risk is one of the largest wholesale brokerage and specialty lines underwriting managers in the United States. They are headquartered in Dallas, Texas, and operate out of office locations throughout the U.S., including San Francisco and Santa Ana. 
The deal will enable U.S. Risk to double its workers' compensation written premium and to add four A-rated national carriers to its market lineup. The takeover is also expected to enable U.S. Risk to offer monoline workers' compensation on a national scale. The Specialty Workers' Compensation Office in Sarasota will continue to operate as Unisource Program Administrators. The WCIRB has completed its review of the March 2010 experience information submitted by insurers. The ultimate accident year 2009 combined ratio is estimated to have reached 124%. That is 14 percentage points higher than for 2008 and the highest level since 2001 when it declined to 143% from 184% in 1999. A ratio below 100% indicates that the company is making underwriting profit while a ratio above 100% means that it is paying out more money in claims than it is receiving from premiums. These findings leave a little doubt about where insurance premiums are headed next year. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, iPod, or iPad by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foltz with Floyd's Karen and Kelly. Thanks again for joining us. Please check our website again next week for more news.